Hey, this is Jonathan Theo from Ego Kill Talent, and this is Hard Rock Core Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Mark, and welcome to episode 46 of the Hard Rock Core Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for giving me a listen. If this is your first time, welcome aboard. If you're back for a second or maybe 46th time, thank you so much for the continued support. I appreciate you. The conversation I bring you today is with Theo and Jonathan from the Brazilian bass band Ego Kill Talent. Now, when the folks over at Adam Splitter sent me this music originally, I was blown away. There's a, a lot of great dynamics in their music, a lot of great musicianship, a lot of great songs, and they just really set me back by how polished and, and in tune this band was. And the fact that these guys can switch instruments on stage and play the songs is absolutely phenomenal. Now, this conversation, which started with Theo at first, and then Jonathan joins us later in the conversation. Theo and I start about talking about MMA and Anderson Silva and, and seeing you know UFC events. That was just a great open conversation. I love it. And I always go into these without an agenda. We just start talking. And that's what I think, at least in my opinion, people enjoy. Be, enjoy just a natural conversation, not coming in with a script. And we kind of talk about that a little bit towards the end here. But I enjoyed my time with these guys. We talked about them recording at Studio 606. We talk about Dave Grohl. We talk about festivals. We talk about their past bands. I mean, there's just a lot of rich history with this band. And even towards the end, we go into some conversations about mutual friends in System of a Down. Now, we talk about that studio that... System of a Down had in their early days before they were signed where they shared, you know, space in this building with another band. And that's how John Dalmayan came to join System of a Down. We talk about some of the first songs that were written with John as drummer with the songs Multiply and Suggestions. And uh, just a, a great conversation. And I got to say, I really hope music comes back in the live format, especially with festivals, because these guys are doing a lot of the Danny Wimmer festivals this year. Or I should say what they were supposed to last year, but hopefully they're going to happen this year. Because if it does, I'll be extremely blessed to see these guys at Aftershock in Sacramento later on this year. So um, I really love this band. I love this conversation. I hope you will give them a listen as well and uh, support music. Listen to it, stream it, download it, whatever you do. But music is such a connecting force, and, and I really hope you enjoy this band, Ego Kill Talent. As always, you can find me online at hardrockcore.net with links to all of my socials, including Instagram, Twitter, the Spotify playlist, the YouTube channel, and of course, all the podcast information. Again, thank you for joining me, giving the podcast a listen. This one is going to have video in again, so enjoy the watch, enjoy the listen. If you like it, be sure to like, share, follow, leave a comment, and I appreciate each and every one of you. Now let's get to that conversation with Theo and Jonathan from Ego Kill Talent. Now, how are you? I'm good, and you? I'm doing awesome today. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. My pleasure. So are you in California? 
I am in Sacramento, California. Well, what time is there now? 7 a.m. Yeah, I was like, that's something. I, I really thought there was something wrong. I thought, <laughs> I thought the label messed up with the time zone. I said, it's a really early interview for there, not for me. I am, uh, I'm good with that. Now, now, help me with the correct pronunciation of your name because I don't want to get it wrong. Okay, it's Theo Vanderloo. But you can Theo. just say Theo. Yes. Okay, so some so I'm very uncertain of the uh, Portuguese language to yeah. hear, well, you know. My name is really Dutch. Uh, it's a oh, very really? okay. Dutch name. Yeah, my my uh, dad's side, uh, the whole family is Dutch. So uh, Theo Vanderloo, uh, it's really, really Dutch. But I was born in Brazil, though. Gotcha, because I, I, I watch a lot of MMA, and I oh. see the... The, the fighters down there, and I see a name like Anderson Silva. Does, Anderson doesn't seem very... Um, Brazilian. Yes. It seems very, you know, yeah. it, it seems different, but I see the names. I just, I, I never want to disrespect somebody and say the name incorrectly for them, you know? I, I also like uh, MMA. For a while, oh, yeah? I, for a while, I was really addicted to UFC. I went to a bunch. Oh, wow. Uh, but for the last couple of years... Uh, well, nothing happened the last couple of years, but like for the last three to four years, I was like, I don't know, we don't have that much um, like UFC fever in Brazil anymore, but I saw Anderson Silva fight like four times. Really? So, yeah. Did you see when he, when he knocked out Vitor, Vitor Belfort? Is that the one no. you saw? No, no, no I didn't see this one. The, the kick one? The, the yeah. Kick the, I didn't yeah. see that one. Oh, but, uh, but I saw, I, I did see when uh, Joan Jones became the champion. I was there. Oh, yeah, against uh, Hua. Yeah. yeah, Newark. I was there. Wow, man. That's incredible. That was my that's first UFC fight ever, actually, that one. The John yeah. John. That's yeah. all. The, the first one I ever saw, and this is a little bit older, but I saw um, Cain Velasquez uh, beat Brock Lesnar for the heavyweight title. Wh when was that? Uh, I think it was around 2008 or 2009 for Brock Lesnar and uh, Cain Velasquez. It was really... It was really like the, the um, energy in the crowd was incredible. Yeah, I mean, th there's such a unique thing like watching UFC. I mean, uh, the, the first time like you hear about it, it you, you, you go like, okay, this is a little too aggressive to see like right in your face. But once That's you right. understand like they're, they both want to be there and they both train to be there. So it, it kind of changed the, the dynamic of, of things, you know. Yeah. But I saw a film. Yeah, that's um. I know when I uh, first started watching it, I was a little unsure, but then I started to learn um, some of the technique and the wrestling yep. and the jujitsu, and to see that there it wasn't just guys beating the crap out of each other. You know, there's no, technique to it. It's technique. It's like it's like chess. It's like playing chess, actually. It's uh, yes. Uh, I did jujitsu. I did ju judo for like eleven years, and I, I did oh, wow. jujitsu just for like two or three years, and jujitsu, it's. I mean, once you start training it, you understand it's all like in the mind. It's all a strategy. Right. It's uh, and, and I was very lucky because I trained in a in a, how do you say in a in a club and in a time of the day that I was the only not black belt there. So it was like oh, me wow. training with like eleven, twelve black belts, and that's the best thing in the world because they have nothing to prove. So uh, it's like they really want to teach you. You know, so it was, where I, and I trained like five days a week for, for two years. And it, it was amazing, man. Because like I said, they were all older. And it's funny, most of them were uh, 
flight pilots. You know, they it, okay. for some reason there was a there was this group of um, pilots that would just train there. So like their minds are just you know they don't need to prove themselves. They ju they just want to teach you. So it was really really like a very rich experience because every single day you would learn a lot. You know. Well, yeah. that's why I hear so much of that culture, and there's so much discipline in it, yeah. a lot of respect, but people are always open to teaching you their technique or yeah. their position and Especially how they, you know. If they have, if they are black belt or brown belt, they, they really want to teach, you know, and I've been in situations like uh, I, that, that place that I used to train, right near there, it's, it's this street with a bunch of bars and restaurants, and I remember a, uh, like a Friday night, they were like, do you want Let's everyone go for a beer. And it was literally like me. I was I was a white belt, like me plus five or six black belts and two brown belts. And right. this guy, he was like like jealous of his girlfriend. So he just turned to, oh, to no. one to the brown belt on the table who was like he was a world champion. And he just wow. turned to the guy, like, you know, do you want some? You know, and they <laughs> I mean, they were so fucking calm. They were like you know what, man, just go have a beer. You know, th th there was no fight. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy, he has no idea what he's put himself in. <laughs> but, like, the, everybody was smooth. Nothing happened. You know, they were just like, you know what, chill. I, I, I'm sorry. I, the guy even said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you felt disrespected. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And that, that was how they handle it. Also because – oh, hang on. Jonathan texted me. Also because um, – they know that if they jump into a fight, they, they might be in trouble. They are considered like a white weapon, you know, having a black belt. Right. Yeah, there he is. Jonathan? Hey. Hey, can you hear What's us? What's up? Yeah. You make it? Awesome. Thank you for yeah. joining us. Oh, so, thank you, man. Sorry, I, I didn't know that. I just missed up. Yeah. It, it happens. It ain't the end of the world. Like I said, well, I can see you guys here in uh, Sacramento later on this year as well. Yeah, awesome. he's, he's, he's in Sacramento, and hopefully Aftershock is happening, so, yeah. Is it, is it Metallica still on the bill? Yeah, it's still the um, Metallica is doing two nights, night two and night four, because they added a fourth day now to the festival. I think you guys are playing the last, is it the Sunday yeah. or Thursday I'm, you guys play? I'm not sure, but it, uh, it is with Metallica. It is a Metallica night. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Hopefully you guys can come to town and, like, I, I don't know how well it works, but I know um, usually like the night before it kicks off, like the local clubs, there's two really great clubs. One is called Holy Diver. One is called Ace awesome. of Spades. And, awesome. uh, <laughs> I mean, they're great venues, but they usually take some of the more upcoming bands and they do like a pre-festival like get together oh, for everybody. Oh, cool. So it may be something. So I know I think uh, not last year, but the year before Motionless and White did the night before at ace of spades and the venue holds like a thousand i think 1100 people oh that's really so, awesome ah, really so it's awesome. A, you know it is, i know and you guys know it's not likely that the bands you know play the same town two days in a row you know yeah. with different things but it's a great like it's a great get together good yeah, hangout for everybody to get together lollapalooza does it too well, we did in uh, we did in in chile when we play all as chile with pearl jam we played the night before in a hard roll cafe there which was really really cool and yeah. the, next, the next day we played Lola. So sideshows, yeah, nice. right? Yeah, sideshows. We love it. I mean, nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I watched that video online actually of the uh, Lollapalooza. Oh, in Chile that was there, man. 
that that was a really nice that was a really nice that was one, one of my favorites it was it was really fun it, it looks i mean you guys have such it's a very um very polished very confident for being such a younger band as well too you guys are very confident very polished on stage the way you guys transition between songs and uh, just just the the level of how you carry yourselves on stage is that something you guys always possessed early on, or did it develop over the last six seven years? Well, I I think we are very hard workers. Uh, we we always, I mean, since since the beginning of the band, we were very picky with uh, with the details of our playing. Um, like we did, we do a bunch of different kind of rehearsal, just strings, you know, then just two guitars and drums, bass and guitars, you know. And I think this builds up certain uh, confidence, you know, on 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 the performance. And at the same time, we we have a feeling that we got each other's back. And I think that the combination of both—I mean, training, rehearsing, hard working—plus the mutual trust and friendship makes you feel like okay, we are invincible together. You know, we can we can go out there and just, you know just crash it you know and and i think it's uh we for i think we're very lucky to to you know to be together and to to find each other to have found to have found each other we are friends for many years but i mean as a band i think we're very lucky to be in this ride together and but to answer your question i think it's a combination of both i think we had it since the beginning because of what i just said but also as much the more you you tour and the more you play the more you gain confidence you know and yeah and, and how did you guys meet? Did you guys meet in school? Did you meet, you know, Roland doing jujitsu, playing soccer? How did you guys get together? <laughs> we, we, we were talking jujitsu, Jonathan, before before we joined. Oh, us. awesome! Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, we all know each other for many, many years. Uh, we are not as young as we look. We just look good. <laughs> but, but like you I, look I, good, I, I don't. <laughs> I met Jonathan like. 16 years ago, 17 years ago, right, Jonathan? Something like that. 18. Uh, 18. 18. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. You're and, older than you think. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, and Rafa, who is, who is one of the drummers, I know him for 20 years now. So we, we know each other for many, many years. But uh, the way me and Jonathan met was he, he has another band here in Brazil that sings in Portuguese. It's called Reação uh, Cadeia, and it's pretty big here. And he was recording. Actually, that's it's a it's an interesting story because there was this studio in Rio. It's it was a very very cool studio, and we uh, I had a band with Rafael, who's the other guy that I was just talking about. He's one of the drummers. We had a band back then, and we had just recorded in that studio, and we became really close with the owner. And like in the following month that we recorded, Sepultura recorded there. Oh, and nice. And Jean, who is in Eagle Q Talent, you know, he played drums on Sepultura for seven years. But this was before Jean's era. It was when okay. Igor was doing the band. But that was how we connected with the Sepultura world because then we became close with Sepultura. We toured with Sepultura and we ended up touring with Jean years later. That's how we met. And, but Jonathan recorded that same studio like on that same three months period. And, and then the owner of the studio called me one day and he was like, I remember, I clearly remember that. Andre Rafael was his name. He's a very good friend. 
but he called me and he said, because I used to live close to the studio, I used to live like 20 minutes from the studio, and Jonathan was from the south, which is pretty far, and he was in Rio. So Andre called me and he said, whatever you're doing, stop and come here, see this guy singing, whatever you're doing. Just, just stop what you're doing, come here right now. And I was like, really? He said, yes. So I went to the studio and Jonathan was recording vocals there. And I was blown away. I was like, <laughs> whoa. It was because his band was, was huge in the South. I mean, it was already like headlining uh, 20,000 people festivals in the South. Wow. Yes. And, and they, they, were, they had just signed with a, with a bigger label. And so they came to Rio to record. So I was really impressed. I remember seeing him uh, we, instead of just just recording with a microphone, staying there. He took the microphone. And he was walking on the room and recording. I was really impressed with his voice, and we became instant friends like immediately. We we yeah. really connected. Remember? Yeah, we started to talk about the things that we write on the lyrics nowadays. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Because it's funny because we were we were both always very philosophical in a sense of uh, questioning life, you know. Exactly. So we were we were already questioning life and you know and and spirituality and mind, you know, and and all the challenges that comes with life. And so we yeah. we we start talking about that like the day we met. It was like yeah. instant instant. And back then, you got to remember there was no WhatsApp. There was no uh, BlackBerry Messenger. It was nothing like that. Uh, just so wires. It, yeah, just wires. So <laughs> yeah. It was like I, we, I, we would call each other like on the landline because he lived in the south, so it, which was pretty far. So we would call each other, and, and that was how I met his mom because he, his dad is a truck driver. So many times, and Jonathan loves the road. So many times, Jonathan would just go with his dad traveling with the truck. So I would call his house. Just, just touch bases, and his mom would say, oh, he's with his dad on the truck. When he's coming back, she said, I had no idea. So that happened a few times. So it was, it was interesting because we, we kind of had a deep connection. And, and years later, so you fast forward, I don't know, 15 years, we, Jean left Sepultura, and he called me. And he goes, like, what are you doing? I, I, I just left Sepultura. Do you want to meet up for a coffee? And I said, yeah, sure. So... So we met up for a coffee, me and Jean, and I wasn't playing guitar at all at that moment. I was a little, I, I was a little hurt with the music industry, you know, uh, because I had I had bands before that I gave all I could, and and it just didn't happen. And I was, but I was at the same time I was in peace with it. I was like, I wasn't regretting. Oh, I'm, I don't have a band. I wasn't like that, but I was like, I'm tired of it, you know. So. I wasn't like playing any instrument. I, I was. I actually remember my iPod only had meditations, you know, and, wow. and it, it almost had no music. I'm not kidding. I had some like very good uh, speakers, you know, and, and meditation, but not much music because just 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 you know a little uh, like side story. I I became a, I ended up becoming a promoter, a show okay. concert promoter because because of that band that I had before. We wanted to to to. We started doing a music festival so we could play, and that ended up becoming bigger than the band. So I ended up just became, becoming a promoter. And on that moment, I was a festival promoter, but I, I wasn't playing music. But anyway, and then Jean, Jean stopped by for a coffee, and he was like, so 
he was also a little like not sure what he was gonna do because he just left Sepultura. So he was like, what are you up to? And I said, man, I haven't played my guitar in like four years. And he said, are you fucking crazy? You know, let's jam tomorrow. And that was kind of how we start, started the jam. And, and I remember, I, I'm not kidding. I said, because we very quickly, we decided we wanted to have a singer, you know, because it could be just, just instrumental, right? It could be just, right. we start writing just, you know, just ourselves. And I always said to Jean, there is this one guy that is, is my friend for many years. I haven't seen him in a while, but I think he's the best singer, rock singer in Brazil. And that was Jonathan. But Thank I knew you, he man. had. Yeah. <laughs> but it's man. true. And I, I, used, I used to listen to his band, like at my house a lot, you know, just because I like the band. And, and that's, that specific record that he recorded in Rio when he was there, I listened to that a lot. It, because it, it, it reminds me of my, you know, a little bit of my personal uh, history, you know. So I, w I was listening to Jonathan and I was like, there is this guy I think we should, we should try. And, and yeah, and then one day I called Jonathan and he showed up at the studio. We, we listened to some demos, you know, like a week later he came back with some melodies, some ideas. And, and here we are, you know, it was a long answer. <laughs> no, that's good, man. I, I, I said, I don't... I, I never come to these things with, with questions because I just want it to be natural and organic. I don't want to come and go. So tell me about your album. What does yeah. this, I, I just want to talk, man. We started talking about jujitsu initially, you know, yeah. I just, I want it to be real because I, I, as a fan growing up, we all read magazines and saw the Kerangs or the metal hammers. And, you know, some of the interviews, some of them are good, but you can go read 10 other magazines. You get the same answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, that, like you said earlier, you set up all your interviews in two to three days, but now yeah. with the pandemic, things are spread out. I think we can have, you know, a little more looser conversations because you're not all aiming everything at release date. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, 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 so I want to go back to when you're watching Jonathan walk around the studio, Jonathan, were you, uh, did you know they were watching? Could you see them through the through the windows of the studio? Are you okay with people watching you sing? I'm okay. Uh, you know, this is it's just funny because uh, we started to work with Steve Abbott, the producer of his album. Oh, yeah, uh, nice. yeah, and in uh, in 2017, uh, 15, right, Theo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the first record, and he has and and a way to 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 work that nobody. Uh, but me and him can stay inside of the studio, you know. So this is really different because I I I was used to uh, to work with everybody in the in the in the in the in the room, walking around, and my friends, hey, talking in the microphone. And I remember that day in the past when Theo came show up uh, at the studio, and also Raphael when I met Raphael. Yeah, because, true. Yeah. yeah. Those days were funny. Yeah. That's, see, I know because I, I play drums mostly. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, being in the studio, everybody's watching the drummer. And it just kind of always, I, I can tune them out, but it's always like when you, you make a mistake, like, ah, got to go back and do it again. You know, it's just yeah. the, the pressure of people watching you sometimes gets you a little bit in the studio. Yeah. It's yeah. Studio, yeah. It's, it's, always, it's always a little bit of pressure being studio recording, you know. It's always a little bit. Well, you guys were here in California 
to record yeah. the album at 606, right? Yeah. Yes. And had you met Dave Grohl before the studio? Yes. 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 Okay. We actually we did a unbelievable, awesome tour uh, with the Foo Fighters and Queens of the Stone Age. We did five stadiums in South America, and it was—I mean, it was surreal. Yeah. And and it's so funny because, for, I mean, we are for the second year grounded, right? No, no tours, like no shows, and it feels like the more you can't perform and the more you can't tour. It, it, it seems the better was that were the days when you could tour. So right. I mean that that full fighter tour that was I already loved when when it happened. We were in heaven, but now it's even more. You know, like I really miss it. It's like, but yes, we toured with them, and that was how we we met them. We we had we had met Dave before, but like just like because uh, in dinners, you know, uh, friends in common and and this kind of stuff, but. It was like on tour that was special because, you know, when you are a musician and you know that once you play together, you know, when, once you share a bill or, you know, with, you support the band, the connection becomes deeper. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. And they're well, really nice. They're really nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you mentioned Queens of the Stone Age and you talk about, you know, you're older than you look. Well, years ago when I was playing in bands, um, where we were located in California, kind of in the central part of California, um, had a decent sized following. And we played this venue and they said, we got this band from Palm Springs area coming up to awesome. play the show. <laughs> and uh, these guys loaded up and like their sound. It was like, you know, I don't can't remember if they were playing through bass amps, but the guitars were muddy and, but it was cool, but it was like very different. Yeah. And uh, it was Caius. Caius. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, it was like, and then like a year later, maybe a year and a half later, we played Palm Springs, but uh, a guy who booked us down there said, uh, hey, you know, th that that band you played with, they're getting ready to go to Australia with, with Metallica. And we're like, what? It didn't yeah. <laughs> quite make sense. Because, I mean, if you think about it, they were definitely ahead of their time and what came after them, you know? Then they see... Josh go on with his huge success with Queens of the Stone Age, man. That's that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, pretty yeah. damn cool. You know, so when you guys come and you're in the valley in, in California, down in okay, was it San Fernando Valley at 606, and you're recording there, what was that time like and how long were you down there? Well, we we rented a house for almost two months and because we did some pre-production. Uh, and, and not not in the valley, it was it was more towards Hollywood. But we had we we, we rehearsed in a couple of studios there, and so we we were living. We felt like we moved there, you know, the whole band. And it was it was a very unique time uh, because just everything, you know, just not just the fact that the band was together out, you know, out of the comfort zone because we were like sharing a house. And and not having like your own like uh, space, you know, because right. you're like you have, you have to be, you know, looking at each other every morning. It's like the first people you see in the morning, the last people you see before you go to sleep. It's not your girlfriend or your wife, but your family. <laughs> so, so that that's a different situation. But at the same time, we were really focused on on what we were doing. Um, we were we were very much 
thinking about the music we were writing and we had most of the album already like uh, wrote back by them but we already we had you know some lyrics we needed to finish we were writing a, another song but there was something going on but at the same time we had this very sharp mind that we needed to find the right label to release this album because we knew it was an important step you know i mean we were in the states right in la recording at 606 so and we were completely independent independent yeah completely independent we had we had a proposal from from majors in brazil but we we didn't want to sign with the brazilian office because then you are perceived like let's say if you sign with a major in brazil Universal or Sony or you know Warner or if not BMG because their system is different but if you sign with a major in Brazil like let's say you sign with Warner here then Warner US will perceive you as a Latin band okay. and we, we did not want that so we were really concerned how we would go and release this album because we knew we needed a major because I mean we, we had already toured with big bands we were you know we had already gained some ground but how are we going to release this properly? So we were, so we had this in mind also when we were in, in the States. So we had, we had meetings there with labels. We had people from, from labels coming to the studio. There was that going on too. And also same thing with management. We knew we needed a U.S. management, which we ended up signing with C3. And also an agency, which we ended up signing with William Moore. So when we were there, our minds were both on, on the album. And like, you know, not just recording, but also finishing some stuff we needed to get finished. But at the same time, thinking, okay, we got to be smart. You know, we are here. We got to, you know, we got to do the right moves. But that, that was the overall, I mean, we were very, when we stopped to think about, it's a lot of pressure. When yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's our lives. So, but we, we cherish very much that time. I mean, recording at 606, it is... I can't put in words being there and recording there and using their equipment. You know, I still and, don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't believe it. It's hard. It's, I mean, so, it's, it's like, yeah. it's like rock and roll church being there. And, and, and I remember the first time we stepped in the studio, we, it's just so overwhelming. The first time you, you enter that door and you see all, you know, the walls with all Nirvana's and Foo Fighters albums everywhere and pictures, you know, when you just look at it, you know, it just, it's, it's just a, whoa, it's real. I'm really here. That's when it really hits you. Because for like the two weeks before that we were there rehearsing and, you know, pre-production, we knew where the studio was. We, we were like right. a couple blocks away. And we were like, okay, yeah, we're going to record 606. But once you enter <laughs> and then look at the walls and then you look at the Neve and you go like, okay, this is really fucking happening, you know. And then I remember a moment that I, 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 I entered uh, the recording room and I was by myself staring at the piano that is there and I thought man if my life was a TV series and this is the last scene would be a great a great show you know I mean I'm, I'm happy already <laughs> and just because everything came to my mind all we lived till we got there the tour with the Fools and Queens the rock and reel we play the festivals in Europe you know I mean the tour with the Shine Down. you know everything we did and then, like, now we are here recording at 606. So, yeah, it was yeah. overwhelming. You, you kind of did it reverse, where you did the, the tours and festivals before you put out the main album, at least worldwide, yeah. like that. Yes. That's very unheard of for a band to 
do it in reverse engineering because you're playing, you know, Rock and Rio, which is what a hundred thousand people, something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's wild. So I have to ask because I used to live in the valley down there. I used mm -hmm. to live in North Hollywood, and was it difficult to play the out, record the album, knowing that okay, at three o'clock I've got to meet with this manager or this label or this agent did it affect you at all or were you able to really separate the two to make it work better for you because it's got to be tough because i know you what know, it's like living down there's so much coming at you all the time down there it, it it's funny because i actually i was just like two days ago i was talking with uh with rafael who is uh, the other guy in the band about what i'm just about to say uh life has its ways and it feels like lots lots of stuff comes full circle for me i think for all of us but i can i can speak for myself remember i told you i was a promoter for a while right yes and that wasn't the happiest moment of my life it really wasn't because it was a lot of stress you know was dealing with a lot of pressure and a lot you know, of egos a lot of egos bad people oh, yeah. around you that want to gain advantage over you so it was it was not the, the the easiest or the happiest moments of my life and but I, the reason i'm saying all that because i learned a lot from from being there and, right. and from having uh very stressful experience as well but i, I learned a lot I'm, i i met a lot of people i met a lot of agents and managers and all that and so i think that but, well, first of all, then there is the network is there, right? You know some people, and it's not it's not as easy as it seems because those managers and agents, they got hit every day with a bunch yes. of new bands, you know? So they just, I remember I was very cautious on how I would present myself, not as, a, because they know me as a promoter. It was like, what the fuck you're talking about, band? You know, it's, it's like, yeah. it's like if, you all, if you go to the same bakery every day and then, one day the cooker becomes a doctor. It's not like you're gonna go to his, you know, and then you have a headache. It's not, I mean, you know this guy for being the cooker, the chef, right. not the doctor. So it's, it's not an easy transition. It's not just like, you know what I mean? The, the, the reference they have of you is as a promoter. So I was, I was a little, so that, just, just saying that it's not easy to make the transition, but we were all together very smart because I always shared that with the other guys in the band. So before I would do any move, I would go, hey, do you guys think I should do this? Because I don't want to, you know, step in anyone's toes. I don't want to cross the line because there is that too. You know, there's some managers I became big, huge managers that I became really friends with. But I was like, okay, if I, am I crossing a line if I just right. go there and show? So actually to tell you the truth, most of the people I, I knew from back, back then, I didn't ask them favors. I let them hear about the band from different sources, you know, I let them see it's real, and they end up coming to me. And go, how how come you never asked me anything? How come you know you never told me about this? Because I didn't want to cross the line, right? So, but I'm just saying all this because I think that all that experience, and and also Jonathan's experience with his band in Brazil and Gian's experience with Sepultura, I think all that when we were at 606 to answer your question, we already had some background of dealing with different situations, right? And yeah. and learning to be uh not cold but focused right so it, it would be something like okay we have this important meeting at night with this important agent okay cool but now, now we are recording you know the, the album of our lives and that's the priority right now and when it's 7 p.m the priority would be to be on that dinner 
with that person, you know. And then on the next morning, priority would be to be recording. So I think we learn the past experience, you know. That's why I say I think it comes full circle because we all came with a baggage, you know, and, and, and kind of, you know, we learned a lot before we got here. That's that's an amazing way to, and a lot of people don't have that. It was kind of a blessing for you guys to have the experience, you know, with Jonathan's Bennett's success and with you promoting it. And I, I really admire you because you didn't, like you said, you didn't cross the line of it. I've always felt the same way. I've never wanted to use one thing to get the other. I want the other to yeah. get it on its own merit, you know, just yeah. because of it's a good band and you guys are a, a phenomenal band. And thank you. you. You've gotten there because of the songs, you know, which is always yeah. the most important thing. And then exactly. being able to play them live. And a lot yeah. of people, because I used to manage bands and do things in LA, um, I saw so many bands who just, they wanted to, we need to get signed. We have to get signed. We, we need a showcase. And it's like, just write the songs. The, if you're yeah. writing good songs, is was that the approach you guys took? We just want to play songs Absolutely. and shows? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, and it still is. I think, I think part part of the challenge it's keep that as the priority, you know, and don't and and just you know, inspiration, man, respect and hard work and respect that, you know, put that before everything, and that's everything comes from that. You're right. You're 100 percent right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I know. I really, as we talked a little bit earlier, I'm really hoping that that aftershock will happen. Festivals will happen here and you guys can get here. So I, I'd love to see the band live and, and, you know, here, especially my hometown as well. And that festival has been phenomenal every single really? year. I, 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 I thought it. I heard I've never been there, but I heard lots of people saying it's like one of the best. It's, you know, it, yeah, okay. It's, it's not rock and Rio. You can't fit a hundred thousand people yeah. there, but what you do fit right there and you look out and see the sea of it, you know, and, and seeing just some of the performances that have been there over the years with, uh, I mean, even system of a down when they headlined a couple years ago, um, you know, corn's done it multiple times disturbed has done it. I mean, just the awesome. lineups every day with, you know, 20 bands and it's all around you, you know, and the environment is good. And, Danny Wimmer runs great festivals. Nobody can argue that. I mean, just yeah. phenomenal festivals. Then two dates with Metallica here is incredible. But as we gear up to do that, is there anything else you guys have coming up in the future for more uh, stuff online? I know you guys are breaking down songs and talking about those a little bit. What's coming up in the future right now? The immediate future, I should say. Uh, well, we are. The, the pandemic situation is still a big question mark here in Brazil and like for instance we we had planned to be together this month the band and we we were probably going to shoot videos and maybe do some live recording playing the songs of the album we really we really want to start working on new material we already are working new material but like recording some stuff nice. but then the pandemic you know just it just went pretty bad the last couple of weeks i mean uh, Sao Paulo, where I am right now, it's it's like in um, it's orange alert, actually purple alert. I guess it's after red, so you, you can't go on the streets between 8 p.m. and 5 a.m. Uh, a bunch of stuff is closed, so because of that, we end up not being able to be together right now as we were planned to this month. 
so it's hard to, to say to you exactly what we're going to do and when, but we are like beasts in a cage and we are yeah. ready. <laughs> can be together. We're going to release me. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to shoot more videos. We're going to, we're going to play together. Actually, I'm anxious because today Raphael lives near me. So I spoke with him during the weekend and, and we decided to just play the new songs together, just me and him. Uh, I mean, I know he's 100% isolated and I'm 100% isolated for the last two weeks. And so we're going to play a little bit because we really miss it. But it feels like it's a weird feeling because you can't be 100% sure of anything right. planning. Yeah. This is really hard. It's really, really hard. And the music writing process, although we can write from a distance, it's just not the same. You know, it's just yeah. not the same sitting down. I agree. It's just, it's so hard to emulate that. So we are dealing with it. The only thing that we take a certainty, and I think this is what helps to keep us uh, healthy, is that we are already planning touring. Uh, like, like you said, I hope th this year shows happens, but for sure 2022 we are touring for sure. I mean, talk, we're speaking with the agents every week. I mean, we are, you know, we are working on putting together a group because we had a great tour booked for 2020. So we're just like rebooking festivals in Europe, the US, you know, some shows with big bands that were supposed to be playing. So this is kind of what gives, gives us peace, you know, peace of mind. Okay, it's, it's right there. It's going to happen. It might be next year, but yes, it's going to happen. Yeah. So between now and then, I think it's, we, gotta ha we have to go with the flow. You know, once yeah. we can be together, we're going to do stuff together. We still have a song to, to release, right? Uh, True. The one that we wrote with uh, John Domayan from, from System. System. Yeah, we wrote a song together that that is not in the album, but uh, we're going to re release it as a single, I think. And maybe we are also next oh, sorry, semester, yeah. probably, yeah. And we are also releasing a bunch of lyric videos. We're going to release yeah. a lyric video for every song on the album. Wonderful. And, uh, yeah, and we, we, and we will probably shoot a couple more videos. For the album, that's um, amazing. I and I can't wait to hear this song with John because I know I was there in LA during the early club days of System and saw them with the original drummer and yeah. then John's very first gig at the Whiskey with them. And uh, oh, got we have video of those shows, which you probably see them on YouTube now. But my my best buddy. Um, it's the guy who videotaped a lot of those early shows. Do you, if you have it, can you send to me? Because I will send to John. <laughs> I will send to John and Serge. And yeah. it's this actually, is awesome. Have, it's awesome. We, uh, there is a very fun story. I don't think we ever told this story to no one before. But this, this was pretty mind-blowing. So when we decided to, re to write the song with John, uh, and, and John, he was the first guy to ever see the band uh, literally when we were just like three three guys playing two guitars one drum he was in brazil he, he was my Bef friend before right? i joined the band before Jonathan joined oh wow the band. okay yeah so yeah he was he was he's a big supporter since day one right he was he like all yeah. there for us he and serge yeah like always they had us playing with them in france and i mean they he was always pushing and say you guys have something you know so John, basically, he called me one day and he said, so you guys are recording in L.A.? I said, yes. And he was like, what? I, I want to do a song with you. I said, sure, let's do it. And, you know, for us, it was like, and he was extremely polite. He was like, I don't want to step in, on the drummer toes. I said, no, no problem, man. I mean, we are, we are easy with that. You know, we would love to write a song with you. So we decided to actually not just have John 
drumming in one song, yeah. but write a, a song together, which is very interesting. When when you write a song with with him, you can tell a lot of System of a Down comes from him. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's really it's you will see when we release the song, you see that. But the the, the crazy story is this. So we we were looking for a place to write that song with John in LA. I don't remember the neighborhood. Do you remember, Jonathan? Ah, uh, no. I won't, I, won't I, remember. I, I, re I remember that that were uh, a really nice Mexican food place. Yeah, nearby. Oh yeah. man, well, actually, awesome. actually, but so listen to the story. Was it's it crazy. in the valley? No, I think oh, okay. I, it wasn't. I, 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 I don't it, think what it was. I think it so. was at the Beatronics studio. I can we can we can find that out. I can, yeah, I, I can send to you. But he, so here's what happened. So we were looking for a for a <laughs> rehearsal space, you know, just to write the song with John, with John. And there is uh, we have some friends in LA. They they own a guitar pedal company called Beatronics, and they also have a band. So they have this rehearsal room at you know those buildings in LA. They have a bunch of rehearsal rooms. Yeah, like, yeah. So they had one, a big one, and they said, you, you guys can go there. You know, we, you can go there for, you know, as much time as you need. So we kind of used their room for a week or maybe a little more. So I, I called John. I said, look, uh, we have this place, you know, where actually first we, we, we rehearsed with John a couple of times in the, in the Mates, you know, Mates, that studio. So we, recorded, we rehearsed at Mates and then we because we, we felt like, okay, we need more time. So we, we, we took that room and then I called John and I said, okay, we have this room, this, that's the address and all that. He said, okay, actually he said, I'm gonna pick you up and you, you ride with me to, 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 the, to the studio. I said, okay, cool. So I, I entered his car and he, would, he was driving and then he, start, he goes and he goes like, okay, this neighborhood's looking really familiar. The, the, rehearsal room where I joined system it's in this neighborhood I said really oh, wow. yeah he yeah, said where you're at he said it's in this neighborhood I said really yeah and then he was driving and he said fuck man I wonder if it's the same building I said yeah he said oh there's a bunch here so we were driving and then the, the like the, the google Maps showed the place he goes like holy fuck that's the <laughs> building I said you're fucking kidding me he said no that's the building where I joined system and then he said he, he used to share he said, I used to share yes. a room with another band, and I used to play in another band, but we shared the same room. Then their drummer hurt his hand or foot or something, mm -hmm. so he helped, he helped the band. As we walk in the building, he goes like, you guys don't believe. It's the same fucking room. I know that room. I've been in you, that room. You've been, oh, you've been really? there? Yes, because when John first joined, he was in like a more alternative band, and we used to hang out with him a lot. And the first two songs they wrote with John in that room were Suggestions and Multiply. And we got to hear wow. them play them in that room before they had played them live before. Amazing. So wow. that room is magic, man. That room is magic. So we, we wrote that song with John on that room. Oh, my God. That is incredible, man. Yeah. That is. I think that's yeah. the first time we tell this story. That's the first time. Wow. I don't remember. Yeah. That's, a, that's, I know that place very well. I remember parking. If I'm not mistaken, you parked out back and then walked yes. back. Up. Yes, 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 yes. That's the one. Yes, yes. I totally yeah. know it, man. Because I, we took two vehicles that night, and one guy couldn't fit back. There's no parking. He had to go park out on the street somewhere. But I remember, man, that place, dude. That 
You guys got yeah. history. You guys have complete history right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Wow, dude, that is that is incredible, man. But I I know you guys have a lot going on, and and I, I so much appreciate your time today for talking with me and, and sharing the stories, man. I'm thank you, very, Thank you for having us. Very. I'm sorry. I'm to... I'm the quiet one because I'm the shy shyest one. <laughs> but yet you're the front man. Yeah, not on stage. <laughs> on stage, on stage, he can get naked, and I'm not kidding. That happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm with that, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> man, you, you guys, you guys are great, man. I, I really hope the best for you guys. And thank you. You know, when I first heard the music uh, last year, you know, that um, Adam Splitter PR had sent me with with him and Amy. Just uh, it, it, there was something unique about it. There's a high level of musicianship. There's restraint in your songwriting. Thank you. And it, it's never Thank overplayed. You, and I think sometimes bands overplay things. Mm -hmm. And you can, I like when there's a, uh, you can hear this, the talent in there that's maybe a little bit more advanced, but there's restraint to really focus on the song. And uh, that's the thing that stood out the most in your guys' uh, music to me. So, um, I wish nothing but the best for you guys. And again, Thank you, thanks man. for your time today. Thank, Thank you, you so much. And that was my conversation with Theo and Jonathan from the band Ego Kill Talent. Again, much appreciate the conversation. Much appreciate the shares. And uh, just a fantastic group of guys. And again, please give Ego Kill Talent talent a listen as always you can find me online at hardrockcore.net with links to all of my socials including instagram twitter the spotify playlist the youtube channel and of course all of the podcast information as always stay safe stay true tell your family and friends you love them give them a hug and have an awesome day.